Welcome to Modern Career. I'm your host, Mary Humiston. You may be thinking about changing, advancing, or even reinventing your career. We want to help you do that and live your full potential. In each episode, I cover work and career topics, leveraging my 30 plus years of global HR leadership and through interviews with other career experts and professionals from around the world. Subscribe today and visit modern-career.com for blog posts, career stories, career coaching and workshops, and more. Let's jump into our next episode. Welcome to the next episode in our Chief People Officer Perspective Series. Today, our guest is Ina Marie Johnson. Ina Marie is the former Chief People Officer of Zendesk, where she led the people strategy for the award-winning customer service software company that was originally founded in Copenhagen and is currently headquartered in San Francisco. Ina Marie was also a Chief People Officer for Plantronics and UTI Worldwide, and Pryor was an HR leader at Honeywell and Clorox. She earned her BA in Social Sciences from the University of California at Berkeley and her MA in Organizational Development and Management from John F. Kennedy University. Ina Marie is very active in her community. She serves as an advisory board member for the Center for Equity, Gender, and Leadership at Haas School of Business, UC Berkeley, where she's also a guest faculty. She is an advisory board member for several nonprofits and has also recently joined the board of Kelly Services, a leading management consulting firm for over 75 years that connects top talent with companies in need of skills for today and tomorrow. Welcome, Ina Marie. Thank you so much for joining us, for chatting and sharing your insider perspective. Thank you, Mary, for having me. And I just will say it's so great to see you again. We go (laughs) way back. We do. We We go way back. And I often think fondly of those years at Honeywell and HR. And, you know, in many ways, it was where I grew immensely in my profession. So thanks for having me and good to see you. Same here, Ina Marie. You have had quite a career to date. I know you're on the journey. You're making several changes now. I love the the board service. That's very exciting. I'm curious, did you have what I would call a bit of a career plan? You know, some do, some don't. You know, how did you personally navigate? You know, did you think you'd even go into HR or do the kinds of things that you've done? To what degree did you see it and plan it? Yeah, I'm chuckling because everyone who knows me well, especially my family and, you know, many people that I've worked alongside with, I always have a plan. (laughs) I would have guessed. I would have guessed. (laughs) I know. I am such a planner. And so, sure, you know, it would be fair for me to say I had a plan for my career. But I think the thing that is so real for me is I just never saw my career going to the heights and directions that it did. And so for that, you know, I have a lot of gratitude and feel so blessed to have, you know, worked alongside some amazing people at some amazing companies, etc. So I think the one reason I also say I definitely had a plan is because you know, many people don't do this. I actually majored my degree had a specialty in human resources. So, you know, I graduated, as you mentioned, from Cal 
and had a social science degree, but the emphasis was actually in HR. And that's because my mom at the time was in recruiting. And I had a sort of a upfront look at, you know, her placing people into roles. And she'd always be talking about all these interesting sort of people topics. So that led me to want to be in, you know, a people-centered or HR functional role. But I like to say to people, I actually had two years of non-HR experience. I was in financial services and retail, but I spent all my time always thinking about the people stuff. So along the way, you know, I think my plan has really just been to keep growing. You know, I keep learning new things. And for each of my companies, when I tell my story of, you know, where I've worked, I tend to focus a lot on what did I learn and what actually stays with me today. So I'll describe, for example, you and I were both at Honeywell. You know, at Honeywell, what I learned was global is everything, but you've got to make it local right? Like we used to go into these 200 countries and do HR work, but if it wasn't meaningful at a local level, it kind of didn't matter. So that definitely was something, you know, not just where did I work, but who did I work alongside with? What did I learn? And the last aspect I think of my plan, which also was very present for me, is that I was raising my two children. So Throughout my entire career, I've been a working mom. That's always been top of mind for me, not to have to choose. And I've tried to create these environments for, you know, others on my team and people that I work alongside with. Like you should have both. If that's what you want to do, you should be able to have both. And so, you know, my husband and I, David, who I've been married to for 33 years, you know, so much of both of our careers was about what's right for our career, but what's also right for our family. So that's a little bit about my plan. And as you said, it's got a new chapter, which we can talk about a little bit later, if you like. I love that. And Ina Marie, I'm also curious just to follow up on. So if you're a really strong planner, but you also clearly had the mindset of growth and learning. I imagine that helped you quite a bit because plans don't always go as one (laughs) plans, as we well know. How did you hold all the, let's say, adjustments and pivots and change you had to make? Or did your plans always go well? Or, you know, how did you hold that if you were a strong planner? Because I think some find that hard. Things just don't always go as we would exactly like. They go where they go. I think, you know, it's fair to say early on, I definitely was someone who had to grow in that area. I didn't like it when things didn't go as I planned, you know, whether it be a project or a team, it's like I I can't hire the person I need to. And as I grew in my career, I learned that really some of the best stretch moments, Mary, some of the areas where I developed the most were actually in the things that didn't go well. And so it's like, how can I begin to see, and this is you know, what I now coach and mentor many people on, is in those moments where things are tough and you're being stretched, you're learning a lot about yourself, you're getting curious, you're having to pivot, all the things that really make us great leaders. So it's very cliche to say this, but it is taking those opportunities that seem like they're failures and turning them around and figuring out 
you know, what can you learn? I still don't like though, when things don't go well, and you know, I'm going to forever probably be somebody who will be developing in that space. Most of us don't. I love that because it is about strengthening those areas that, you know, they really serve us, but they're not so easy. I also wonder about the family aspect with the work aspect for all those years, even when you were a earlier career leader, do you think it's changed a lot or what's your perspective on today versus how you navigated? Yeah, I do think it's changing. And, you know, one of the biggest pivot points, I believe, has been the pandemic. So I think, you know, in 2020, I like to say when the world snapped, because we had, you know, a global pandemic, we had intense social and racial injustice, like everything was changing and people were sitting at home and trying to make things work. We proved like a big experiment that we could do this from remote locations. And as someone who for years, you know, had to like fight and help companies understand, okay, a little bit of remote working is probably okay. That went out the door. And now remote was what all of us were doing. So I do think it has changed. And now people expect flexibility. I like to say flexibility is kind of like the new currency. You know, it is as a company, if you can't build in flexibility in terms of when people work, how they work, who they get to work alongside with, most employees are like, well, then I might just go look for that somewhere else. So I do think it's changed for the good. It's still hard, but you know, this idea that everything isn't done one certain way is definitely, I think, a positive. Totally agree. So you mentioned all these changes and more to come, right? <laughs> more to come. Yeah, I wish I could say we're done. I don't think so. Don't we all? Oh, yes. <laughs> what might be another, let's say, perspective for an individual, for a professional, on how one might think about how they can best navigate their career today and for what we know of for what's ahead? Any advice? What would you say? I think that's a great way to think about it is how do you navigate for today and, you know, for kind of more of the immediate Because who knows what we're up against? Like we're both saying, there's probably a lot more change on the horizon. One little approach I've taken in my own career, and I've offered it up to others. And sometimes people are like, yeah, that really helped me. So I'll share it today. And that's this concept that your career should be a little bit like a passport. (laughs) And, And I know many of us are not traveling so much right now, you know, until things get a little bit more stable. But This concept of your career can be a little bit like a passport is that in the same way that you seek different experiences and you try to go to different places, you know, and you fill up your passport, I think of careers that way, meaning you can allow yourself to gain very specific skills and assignments, or you can do things that are more broad but the beauty usually comes in the variety. And, you know, an example for me was that I wanted to get my sort of passport stamp in a smaller company. In 2018, when I joined Zendesk, it was because I was attracted to this fast growing, hyper growth 
kind of environment where many of the employees were in their first or second career. And I felt like I could not only share my enterprise experience, but I could learn something different. So I went after that passport stamp and, you know, spent four years with the company, just shy of four years. And I just think that is the beauty, like go after a wide variety of things and be less concerned about a specific, I think, level or role and kind of go with that experience because you might discover something that you really didn't even have in mind. Can you share a story if you think about, you know, something that highlights someone perhaps that you've seen or worked with, experienced, who navigated their career successfully, or a story and or a story of something that gets in the way? I think one thing that can get in the way is a little bit going back to this discussion about what if it doesn't go well, or even more specifically, the story of I'll share is what if I'm working for a leader that I don't believe is effective? And recently I was having this conversational topic with my 28 year old son. He's in his final year of law school, which is super exciting. And he was telling me about a leader that he didn't feel was as effective as he wanted this leader to be. And I shared coaching that I've been offered, which is, you know, your first inclination is I got to get away. I got to move away from this leader. And the reality is you're always probably along your career going to bump into leaders or, or even colleagues where you're just like, I don't agree. I don't think that person is effective. So I encouraged him to do a couple of things that I've been often given, which is one, get curious. And I know that sounds funny, but that's what a coach once told me. Get curious about that leader. What makes that person tick? What can you learn about how maybe that individual sees life very differently? And then number two, use the experience to learn more about yourself. Again, some of the times that I have learned or been stretched is really in those times of adversity or uncertainty or even resistance. And I think staying long enough to capture something that's meaningful, even if it means I will never do it like this myself. And so that's the advice I often give people is, you know, especially when you run into those leaders that are tough, turn it around, use it for the good, make sure you get a learning experience out of it because you're constantly going to come up against different people in your career where you just see it differently or you don't think they're as effective. And I'll just end it by saying, I remember somebody like that. And I remember that it just drove me crazy because this person seemed to be from such a different track on leadership. But I learned a ton and, you know, I probably was stretched to think differently in that sort of situation. And that has stuck with me till today. I agree. And, you know, I love those points. It's such a good insight. One of the things I did when I struggled once with a leader who I would just say was, to your point, stylistically so different, a coach had told me, just focus on anything positive. So I would think, well, they were really bright and they were really good at marketing or, you know, and I can learn these things. And you're right, the more I focused on the positive and just constantly focused there, I could let go a lot of the other 
things or I didn't see them the same way. It's funny going back to the coach that said, get curious. He's like, because I can be very, you know, I have an intense personality. I can like see the competition and go after it. But when, to your point, when I sort of began to see this leader also a little bit more human, like this is, you know, and to your point, the one thing that I found in common, we both loved our families. And, you know, when we would talk about our families and what our kids were up to, it was one of those moments, to your point, where all of the other sort of stuff that could make it really tough faded away. So I do get exactly what you're saying. Find that thing that seems human. <laughs> exactly. Good. Yeah. Ina Marie, in your recent experience, what are some career topics that employees have sought out advice on the most? What's what's most on employees' minds, do you think, in the scheme of how do I really best navigate my career? Yeah. I'll offer up one because, again, I think when you're in the tech space, I was just having this conversation with some of the students in the MBA program at Berkeley. I do think tech can be an environment, especially software, you know, where people are expecting to move. Like, okay, I've been in my role a year and I'm ready for my promotion, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, okay. So one of the areas that I think, you know, I spent a decent amount of time, Mary, helping people through is, you know, that question of, well, why am I not getting promoted right now? I'm ready and I want to be promoted. And so I just have tried to coach people along, you know, like, well, what really does happen when there's a promotion or opportunity to grow? And so, of course, we go through the firstly, it does kind of matter, you know, about your skills and your experiences. And are you really ready to move to a, you know, a new level or a new opportunity? And I often will say this should go beyond like the technical or functional, and it should include things like mindset. Are you ready for those challenges? Judgment, you know, organizational savviness, because a lot of times you're going to interface with different people, maybe at different levels or geographies, et cetera. But all of that is kind of like part one, the person. And most people stop there. They're like, they answer all those questions and they're like, okay, so I'm ready. But the piece that often isn't considered is what I call the organizational need for you to be promoted. In other words, does the company have a need for you to work at a new level or new skills? And this is often forgotten. And so I coach people to speak to that, like address what will the company get out of it and where's the need that matches your skill set. And I think that has helped a lot of people. I know it sure helped me to then think about, well, maybe it's a lateral move. Maybe it's not a, you know, an up. Maybe it's a cross-functional assignment. And I think it gets hopefully people out of ladders. Like everything is up, up, up. Because in reality, and I think, you know, Sheryl Sandberg says this a lot, it's about that jungle gym experience, you know. So that one, I think in a high growth company, tech space is often where a lot of the conversations are around these days. How can I keep growing? And growth means something more than just getting promoted. I love it. And I add too, I've seen this more and more now, which I love, is creating that need. 
you know, sort of being quite pointing creative. it out, maybe. But I think you do you agree? I think you have to speak to it for the company, like every yeah. company. And this is the conversation we were having with the students, like, you know, every company isn't going to promote every single person at the time that that person might be ready. So it really is very much you know, create the need or see the need. Maybe it's also be flexible on timing. Those things seem to help. Mm. You're sharing that perspective that I think is sometimes less known. I call it a little insider knowledge. Is there another bit of insider knowledge that you think many people may not know about, but it's really important to reaching your goals and navigating a career? I guess the insider knowledge or perspective I would offer is be open. I know that's going to sound just so simple, but I think all of us, the more open and like we said, curious and exploratory we can be. And I'm speaking to myself as much as anyone else, because I was always the person that like had, had the plan. Remember I had the, you know, sort of like, oh, I want to, you know, go there or do that. And I just believe we're living, especially in careers now where the openness and to demonstrate that flexibility and like I said, sort of adventurous spirit even about going where the company may, you know, need you to go or unveiling something that's not quite figured out. I think that's the insider track these days. I completely agree. I love those things. And I can so relate to them personally, too. I think for all of us, that's a huge piece of the ticket. It's key. Ainemri, what's something, you've shared a little bit on this front, but what's something that you personally have learned or something you took advantage of that you would say, as you look back, really helped you in your experience to date? I had to learn And as I progressed in career, the value of networking. I remember, again, I'll go back to my Honeywell days. We were always so busy growing and finding the next new technology and creating, you know, excellent talent and all of that, that the networking came internal, right? It was a big company, over 100,000 employees. But I remember when I left Honeywell, I began to understand the value of networking outside of my company and really outside of my industry. And again, a lot of creativity often, I think, comes from networking with people who aren't even in the same space. And so I've now, I'd say in the last 10 years, been a lot more liberal in joining networks that may seem like a little bit different, you know, from what I do. And it's in those that I grow. And that's why I love like, you know, the UC Berkeley connection. I've also in the last couple of years participated on the CNBC Workforce Executive Council. And what I love about that council, again, is they bring people together from private, public education, all different walks. And I think it's that networking with a real diverse sort of group that has opened my eyes and helped me even just look at different, you know, look differently at perspectives. 
but I had to learn that and I had to make space for it too. Mm, mm. <laughs> you think I don't have time for that, right? You think, oh, <laughs> totally, you know. totally. But in many ways, I've learned that I actually don't have time not to do that. It made me better as a CPO. It makes me a better executive to have those sort of outside in perspectives and not just, you know, we're always going to be focused on meeting customer needs and all that. But sometimes you just have to open your aperture a little bit. You mentioned too, a minute ago, you mentioned a coach. I've had coaches almost, you know, all the time. I have sought them out almost like my own personal trainer. What do you think the view is today? What would you say about, you know, Mm. coaching? I think it's even hotter today. And here's why I say that. And thinking about a couple of folks in Zendesk at sort of the director, they were on track to become VPs and above. And I loved it. They went out and became coaches. So not only did they seek out a coach, they actually sought out the coaching experience as a way to grow and develop. And I've just been really impressed with that. So I think coaching, unlike what you and I probably remember is, you know, you get a coach, people now are saying, no, I can benefit from the coaching experience and understanding how to do that at a peer level, how to do that in building my teams, also how to do that in a community setting, joining, you know, a nonprofit board and you know, maybe you're coaching the executive director who's trying to figure out how to break into business. And so obviously we do learn so, so much from all our broader experiences outside of our, you know, full job. And you mentioned your advisory board experience at UC Berkeley, which I believe is what, Center for Equity, Gender and Leadership. And also you were in a space, correct me if I'm wrong here, but software isn't always, you know, is still on the, (laughs) you know, accelerated (laughs) path, I think, in terms of of those areas. I'd love to hear some of your observations and learnings from being part of that center and that thought leadership. And what are you seeing? What would you share with us? Yeah, thank you for that question. What I would offer is the center at the heart of it has a mission to build equity fluent leaders. And when I found out about their mission and real reason for existence, again, it really connected with what, you know, we did when I was at Plantronics, as well as Zendesk, which is focus a lot on equipping leaders. You know, you can have a wonderful, this is my perspective, you can have a wonderful HR-driven diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative, you know, and you can set up the framework and the strategy and the resources. At the end of the day, leaders bring it to life. You know, people work for leaders. And so the way DEI really makes an impact is having it be leader-led. And that's what the center is doing, providing the thought leadership, the resources, the tools, and the networking to equip leaders to diversify their organizations, build equity, equitable practices, build inclusion and belonging. So my perspective is my HR colleagues and CPOs, like, sure, set it up, enable it, but 
turn it over to the leaders and partner. This is the last piece, partner with organizations like EGAL or others that can really help you equip your leaders. You know, I was going to ask you earlier, what's an essential characteristic or practice of a great leader that helps them have both the impact they want to have and success? And this may be a leading question here, but do you think it is now and in the future, you'd really have to be an equity fluent leader? You would. And Creating belonging, you know, I I heard a great speaker recently talk about, like, in order to create belonging, and I just, I loved what she said, you have to go back and rewire many times your systems or your org or your team, because it's possible those things weren't built originally to embrace you know, all of the different kinds of employees and team members we're going to have today and the way that many of us identify might be different than the way that things were. So I do believe, I believe leaders have to, it's not a nice to do, it is a must do now in order to really be an effective leader. I think the other aspect of leadership that is really changed now is, you know, you have to you have to be thinking about the well-being of your employees. Employees are going through so much these days that understanding and having empathy for, you know, again, do they need more flexibility? Is there a caregiving situation that needs to be addressed? I think about what we did in 2020 at Zendesk. People often say, oh, you know, how did you navigate the pandemic? And I often start with, it was all about well-being. You know, because at the end of the day, if our leaders couldn't be in tune with what employees needed, we were having employees that were saying, I'm out, you know, I just, I can't deal. So I think that's the other aspect of leadership. You have to have that well-being and empathy today. That's again, a non-negotiable. It's not something that's nice to do. It's, you know, a must. And I think about how you said, you know, all of us are a bit impatient when we want to advance and, you know, we're looking forward to it. I think what goes with that too is these transitions that we all have to make because we start our careers a little more individualistically, you know, individual contributor or whatnot. Then one day we may get to manage and then one day we grow as a leader. And they're not to be underestimated, those pivots and transitions, because what you're speaking to is sometimes you have to really give up and unwire things, not just organizationally, but for yourself that serve you better. What might be an important reflection or a question that you might have had to ask yourself that maybe you haven't shared already with us as you were on your career journey? Well, I guess I'll use the one that I've, I've recently had to work through, and that is really coming to grips at this point in my career. As I said, I've had an amazing career. I really wanted to get to the heart of what I wanted next. And, you know, there were many who said, well, you know, and I was grateful for this feedback. You're an excellent CPO. Here's another CPO role, you know. And I I just had to kind of dig deep, Mary, and ask myself that question of what do you really want? And not what do you want 
you know, what do other people want you to want? And what would be good in someone else's eyes? And that was the magic question. Like, you know, what did I really want? And I have to say, I had to clear out some layers. It took a little bit of time to really get to that. And I think that's like many of us, because we're often finding ourselves doing for others. But what that question allowed me to do is, you know, reflect and say, I had had an amazing run as a chief people officer, chief HR officer. And I wanted to take that success and actually turn it into helping others find like their dream careers. And I felt like I could best do that from a seat of a board director. And so you mentioned that, you know, recently I was appointed to the Kelly Services Board. And what I so appreciate about now being a corporate director for that company is the business that Kelly is in. They're in the business of talent, talent solutions for their customers and doing that in an equitable way. So I'm, you know, very excited about being on that board. I'm excited about having more time to share my skills and experiences in my advisory capacity, going back to my first love of leadership development with UC Berkeley. So I just think the question that we all, you know, at very critical times have to check in with is, what do I want? What do I really want? Sort of absent of whatever might be going on or required. And I'm, I feel, you know, grateful to have had that opportunity and excited for this next pivot. I'm excited for you. And I love this story. And I love that question. It's a question we ask or could ask all the way along, because the world will pull us right and tell us, here's the, you know, buffet today. I think it's the purpose, the values, and as you said, what you want. That's brilliant. And one last question, Marie. you've shared so many insights and career advice in here, but is there another let's say, piece of career advice, something that might have stayed with you throughout your career, something you might share with us? Sure, I'll offer you two. One I really live by, and, you know, of course, I've gotten more mature and feel confident to live by it now, but it's always been that little voice inside of me, and that's be authentic. What you see is kind of what you get in all walks of life, and that has served me well. And I've also learned to let my authentic view and voice, you know, I'm an African-American woman, career mom, whatever. I've let those voices and perspectives stay with me and offered them and tried really hard not to be anybody else other than me. I always say you can be the best you. (laughs) No one else can do that better. The other one is a fun one that a manager that I worked for way back at Clorox And I loved my years at Clorox. It was early HR career. And he told me to cast my net wide. And I was like, what is he talking about? Cast your net wide. And, you know, I think what it has meant for me over the years, again, is seek to get to know as many people, different ways, stay open, like we said. But I just love the way that he said that. Cast your net wide. It's a visual that's never left me, you know, some 30 years later. I love that. Thank you. And I know because I've known you a long time, I believe you've always had really, really great confidence. So when you talk about the voice part, which is so important, many, I think, hold themselves back 
because they may not feel as confident to have that voice. Is there something you would share on that note? Hmm. I do. I try to share this mindset that, again, I've tried to hold on to, which starts with you belong. You are there for a very distinct reason, whether you're there on a team, you're there in a company, you're there on an executive committee or whatever, start with the belief that you belong. And, you know, I can say that early on in my, you know, life, my parents instilled that in my brother and I, but I do believe a lot of times we sort of doubt ourselves when we drop into a setting. And I I just think if you start with that, and of course, you then skill yourself, you learn, you stay open, all the things, Mary, we've talked about, it kind of flows from there. But I really do believe your mindset in, in believing in yourself. And I've shared this with underrepresented groups and women and even younger career people. And I've gotten a lot of feedback that oftentimes it just helped them. That little voice that said, I belong. I deserve to be here. I'm here for a very distinct reason. And my company or committee or community will be better as a result of me being there. Wow. Ina Marie, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was so insightful and practical and I think will be really, really impactful. I hope so. So appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mary, for having me. For more resources on this topic, visit us on modern-career.com and on social media at modern underscore career. We'll include all the sources noted in this episode in our show notes. Look forward to talking again very soon. Music